welcome to episode 44 of Contested Catch. It is our week three NFL preview, baby. Uh, we're back and we've had a busy week. We debuted the Contested Catch up this week, which is our weekly newsletter. Uh, if you did not catch that, pun intended, it is available on our website. Um, you can still sign up, obviously, for future weeks, plus see this week's just to get a sense of what is offered. Obviously, you can unsubscribe anytime, but we expect that you will be happy to have subscribed uh, and getting that in your inbox every Thursday. So, you know, we did a little Thursday night preview. Uh, we're going to talk about Thursday night today. You know, there's a lot of really good information in that. Uh, we put some rock takeaways as well. We think it's going to be a really valuable part of our weekly rollout. And yeah, so basically we've got another weekly preview here for you today. And of course, I'm joined by Jeff, my shirtless counterpart, He's back shirtless, guys. I know you've been asking all week on Twitter, will Jeff wear a shirt in the Friday episode? The answer is unequivocally no. <laughs> He's shirtless. Jeff, how are you? Oh, I'm good, Will. You know, just had to get back into my natural habitat for this episode. Uh, felt like there might be one or two hot takes spit and just really wanted to make sure I was dressed appropriately for a full cool down afterwards. Absolutely. It's totally understandable. Um, it's very on brand as well. So, uh, like we talked about, we're going to talk about some Thursday night football takeaways right off the bat. And I'm going to start by posing to you, Jeff. Uh, are James Robinson, the running back for Jags, and Miles Gaskin, the running back for the Dolphins, the real deal? Because, I mean, we've seen usage out of all three now through three weeks that indicate they are the clear lead back. Uh, obviously, slightly different situations there. Robinson went off despite the losing. He had uh, two touchdowns. A ton of receiving work as well. And Miles Gaskin saw, I think it was 26 touches now in, in his third week that that doubled what he had in the previous two weeks. Are they the real deal? Yes, to both. Uh, in the case of James Robinson, he is making a very strong case to uh, staking claim as the number two running back in this rookie class so far, uh, which is pretty remarkable for a running back who is undrafted and coming out of a FCS school. And he's just... He just looks legit, and the Jags don't have a problem feeding him the rock. And I mean, really, anyone who picked him up either after week one or in the preseason might have just punched their lottery ticket to like a league-winning player. Um, in the case of Miles Gaskin, I also think he think he looks really smooth. Some of the cuts and vision vision he has shown, uh, they like it's just real, you know, NFL starting running back from a fancy perspective. One thing that's still uh, kind of is clipping that ceiling, though, is Jordan Howard vulturing all of the goal line work. So even though Gaskin put up a really good stat line and had a fantastic game, then they get to the goal line and Howard um, ends up stealing the touchdown after, you know, getting stuffed another three times. So, but I think they're both um, really good players. And I, if I had either one of my teams, which unfortunately I don't, I had Miles Gaskin in our uh, dynasty league and then cut down came and I was like, Patrick Laird, Miles Gaskin. I'm like, I, yep. I got to go with our Laird and Savior. So cut him <laughs> loose. And now I'm just like, well, I fucked that one up. But if I did still have him, I wouldn't have a problem firing him, firing him up in a flex play or even RB2 any week now. Yeah, I mean, it was this was a, a good game script for running backs. And the expectation coming into the year was that Jordan Howard was going to feast in those opportunities when they were there. I didn't expect him to be there frequently. But it, but it was here. And guess what? Jordan Howard, through three weeks, has been it, honestly worse than I was expecting. And I was way below consensus on Jordan Howard. 
people had him ranked as like, you know, somewhere around RB3 range. I had him at like an RB6. I didn't want any part of Jordan Howard. And we'll get to the part that I did screw up about this backfield, which was Matt Breida. But Jordan Howard through three weeks, 16 carries. Jeff, guess how many yards he's rushed for? It's like 30, no, not even 36, right? 12. Yeah. 16 yeah. for I mean, 12. He has yeah. three touchdowns. I mean, again, yeah, you have to contextualize that a exactly. lot of those are goal line work where there's you know only two yards to gain, if that. But yeah, it's, it's pretty 100%. Bad. No, that's the thing. Oh, that- yeah. No, yesterday I almost tweeted out. I almost tweeted out. Turns out the answer uh, to the summer long Howard versus Breda debate was Miles Gaskin. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that, that actually is. So, I mean, I think um, Howard has been relegated to solely, like, he's basically being used like a fullback, a little bit more heavily used fullback. Short yardage, one yard to gain. That's all they're asking him to do. I mean, if you're willing to roll the dice on that, be my guest. Now, Matt Burita has actually been pretty efficient with his touches. He wasn't last night. Uh, and that's actually one of the big takeaways is that Matt Burita, three carries for four yards, um, you know, still not getting any receiving work. So, Jeff, you were right about his lack of receiving profile, at least so far. Miles Gaskin only had three yards per carry. We know that that's a kind of, you know, uh, not not a great stat, period. But um, 22 carries. He also had five catches for 29 yards. He was the second leading receiver on this team. I mean, he's here to stay, man. I think we already kind of knew James Robinson was. I didn't. I don't think that we should expect Ryquel Armstead or Davina Zigbo or even Chris Thompson at this point to overtake James Robinson's role. But I think the clear takeaway in Miami is that Gaskin is also here to stay. So, yeah, I think in the Jacksonville back uh, backfield, the only other running back possibly worth hanging on to at this point is Chris Thompson. Yeah, I, I agree. Zippo, like, put him on the waivers. There's there's no value in holding on except for the deepest of deep leagues. If if you have if you have a COVID spot, I think um, it could be worth seeing how they sure. talk about Raquel once he comes back. Um, we he's, don't know when that's going to be. So right now he's safely chilling on my bench in our league, um, and not on my bench on my COVID spot. But um, you know, you mentioned Chris Thompson as well. He did have a good end of the game when they were in when they were in complete you know two minute uh, role. It was just. The Dolphins defense was sitting back. Chris Thompson was eating some like easy yak yards. So five catches, 35 yards. Don't let that fool you. James Robinson was clearly the top dog. I mean, dude, six catches, 83 yards. That's a legit receiving game from a running back. And that's paired with two rushing touchdowns and almost 50 yards as well. So, but Jeff, I know, you know, we also need to talk about something else here. And that is uh, the the status of the wide receiver one position in Miami. That's something we've kind of gone back and forth on offline. We talked about it on the podcast as well. Miles, uh, oh, sorry, Mike Gusecki is, and I think in our opinion, clearly the number one receiving weapon. It wasn't really on display last night. That might be for a variety of reasons, but he did score a touchdown. Preston Williams has been the guy that I've kind of been on uh, on his side of things. Two catches, seven yards, and a touchdown. But it was Devontae Parker that led the team in receiving. Five catches, 69 yards, looked healthy. What's your nice. takeaway on the situation now? Oh, it's Parker's the number one option, um, especially as he keeps getting healthier and healthier. Um, you know, like last night, he still, you could tell he wasn't 100%. And I don't know why the announcers just kept ripping on him. Like, oh, he can barely, even. I was like, he's fighting through an injury and he's still, you know, beating the defenders. Like, yeah, that stat line doesn't look fantastic, but he still looked sharp playing. And uh yeah, once he gets up to full speed, he's going to be the player that he was that we saw at the end of last year. And that doesn't necessarily mean the fancy production will be top 10. It's, it could be. It doesn't mean it will be. But he's going to be someone that you can get more and more comfortable just putting in as in your lineup week in, week out. Um, 
you know, I think Gusecki, he had the touchdown. He had one catch for 15 yards and a touchdown. Then he had another end zone target where he caught the PI. Um, you know, I was expecting him to be featured a lot more in this game after Johnny Smith torched the Jags defense last week. So I was a little surprised that we didn't see more from him. So, I mean, really it's Devontae Parker and I think Gusecki might be a little bit of a game plan um, player. I'm not 100% sure because obviously he just lit up the bills. And then, I mean, Isaiah Ford looks to be the wide receiver too now and Preston Williams, like, he's just not back from the ACL injury. So I, be, I don't even know how much he's worth hanging on to at this point if Isaiah Ford's the uh, wide receiver too there. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's definitely, I mean, in general, I don't think it's a situation we want a ton of shares of. I think it's Gusecki. Um, I'm okay with continuing to use Parker as a flex play. I, you know, you know, maybe the situation gets better for him there. He's not seeing the volume he was last last year, but, you know, he's also been banged up. So something to monitor. Um, all right, moving on to our injury fantasy update. Overall, we're going to talk about fantasy for week three in the context of a lot of injuries. Obviously, that's been a huge theme of the season so far. But some of these are more less serious injuries that are still going to impact this week. So starting with Devontae Adams, he has missed practice all week with a hamstring. He's looking highly questionable, if not doubtful for this week. Jeff, Devontae Adams is probably the number one receiver in fantasy right now when healthy, you know, considering Michael Thomas is on the shelf. Julio Jones might be on the shelf. We'll talk about him in a second. If Devontae Adams is going to give it a go, are you lining him up no matter what? In a season-long league, yeah, I I mean, I, you most likely would have to, but it doesn't even, I think Matt LaFleur said today, he's probably doubtful. So I, if you're an Adams old owner, you should absolutely have a contingency plan in place. And then whether or not I would start him would depend on what that backup plan is. So, yeah. And, and the other thing is it's the Sunday night game. And so that is always a, a start set, you know, Sunday morning decision thing. You're going to have to keep your eye on this. If you have, if you have Devonte Adams, you're going to have to keep your eye on it Sunday morning. And you're going to have to make a tough call. I think one of the best things you could do is to position yourself with Alan Lazard on your bench if you have room for him um, and then put Devontae at your flex. Um, or, you know, maybe maybe you've got uh, Jamal Williams. I don't know. So, you know, you, there are a couple of different ways you could go about it. But the point is, if you want to roll the dice, don't don't go in with no plan at all. Um, you know, you either need like a Mikol Hardman, someone who's going to play on Monday night to flex in if Devontae is ruled out. Otherwise, you know. In some cases, the best case scenario is that you get an early decision and that decision is out so that you can have you can make a, a better decision for that spot. So, Jeff, Julio Jones, similar situation, hasn't been practicing at all with this uh, this week with his hamstring injury. Slowed him in week two. It flared back up. That, that's something we don't like to hear is that, you know, he was already tweaked. He already had a tweaked hamstring and now he tweaked the tweaked hamstring. That's not ideal. So it sounds like a situation the Falcons won't want to press considering how well the rest of the receivers are playing. Uh, I'm avoiding Julio this week, and I'm not confident in season-long starting him if he is active. And the reason is, you know, re-injury risk. Maybe he's out there more as a decoy. You know, considering this treatment could all be precautionary, he's an interesting buy low if you can parlay his injury and somewhat secondary, maybe even tertiary role, depending on how you're viewing things in the offense so far into a cheaper price. What are your thoughts on Julio's injury and how you're going to approach him this week? Um, yeah, again, I'm not expecting him to play you if you have him, whether or not you start him. If he is active, I think depends a lot on what your backup is. If Russell Gage is out there on your waiver wire still, I think you should absolutely, he shouldn't be on your waiver wire as is. 
So if Julio's out, I, I'd absolutely be, feel fine firing up Russell Gage. And even if I wasn't the Julio owner, like I, I could fire, I'd fire up Gage as a wide receiver three this week. No hesitation with Julio's out. So uh, yeah, I, I think he's not playing and, now, we'll get to our DF- DFS pre- uh, breakdown later, but I think he's just a hard fade if he's active and you know, pivot away from Ridley into Gage at, you know, if you're trying to stack that game in any manner. I agree. Um, okay, another big name that is out for week three is George Kittle. Uh, you know, Obviously, he's had this knee injury. I wasn't optimistic about him playing this week, um, but he is officially out now. And it, my question for you, Jeff, is, is it Jordan Reed time again? Now, this was someone that I kept bringing up last week on the episode. I said I wanted some Reed in our DFS. Um, I'm, are you concerned at all about Nick Mullins being the starting quarterback for the 49ers this week? Because obviously Reed went off. He has seven catches, eight yards, I think 50. Uh, sorry, seven catches on eight targets, 50 yards and two touchdowns. But now he's got Nick Mullins, who, who's played the second half and didn't look great. You know, a little rusty. That's understandable, I suppose. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on on Jordan Reed as a George Kittle replacement this week? Um, I mean, kind of like a break in case of emergency. You could do worse. You know, wouldn't feel great about it, but you know, I think he's better than nothing. And like you said, he still put up those two touchdowns. Like the Giants are any good. George Kittle still put up that his breakout season with Nick Mullins as the QB for most of the season. So right. it's it's not like he's incapable of supporting fantasy weapons um we read one healthy has been a good player so no i think you're you know i don't say desperation but i think you can put him out there if you need to now jeff aj brown a guy that you know you were very high on coming into this year is going to be missing another game this week um Corey davis is he appealing to you at at all this week and is it also officially janu season after he went four for 84 and two touchdowns last week and don't forget Adam Humphreys. Adam Humphreys looked good. That that throw to him was unbelievable from Tana from Tana. Um, like the the Vikings secondary is maybe the worst in the league, and now they're going to be out another two players. Mike Hughes and Cam uh, Dantzler are ruled out. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, just fire them all up. I mean, not I'm not guaranteeing by any means that they're going to hit, but like as like kind of flex options uh, after the injury apocalypse last week. Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys, Johnny Smith, you have my stamp of approval to start any of them. Um, in DFS, I really like this uh, stacking Tannehill with one or maybe two of them and running it back with Thielen, or maybe you could do Dalvin Cook. You know, that's kind of counterintuitive uh, game script-wise, but we know he's going to get all the receiving work and could rack up a lot of that checkdowns, uh, PPR. Bill's running back, Zach Moss, is out for week three. He, I think, has a toe injury. And now my question for you, Jeff, is is your thoughts on Devin Singletary's outlook. And to caveat that, I think that's the easy one to say that this could be a boost for. But we also know that Josh Allen is much more of the red zone running threat that jo- uh, that Zach Moss has been. Is this Devin Singletary boost or Josh Allen boost or both? Uh, it's definitely more of a Singletary boost. He goes from kind of being like an RB3 into an RB2. Allen, I don't know if it really changes things that much. He's going to score in the red zone, whether it's Moss or Singletary or Yeldon, like, you know, whatever. If he's going to score, he's going to score. It doesn't really matter who the running back is. That's fair. Um, okay, so Sammy Watkins, 
Monday night game, I'll pivot over there real quick and then back to Sunday. Um, Miko Hardman could see a substantial increase in playing time with Sammy Watkins potentially missing this week's matchup. He's in the concussion protocol. Again, this is a Monday night game, but uh, there's a chance that you are going to, you know, be considering Miko Hardman in your flex spot. Maybe I think it's I think it's very risky. Uh, he did put up 97 yards and a touchdown last year against the Ravens. But I will say this. If you're playing Miko Hardman at all this week, knowing like Sammy Watkins hasn't even been ruled out yet. I think you are a crazy SOB. And I also think uh, you, you've got cojones. So um, that's my take on the Miko situation. I will say this uh, for DFS showdowns. If Watkins is out, I think Miko is a very interesting uh dart there and maybe even a captain uh if you just want to try to capture some upside and and a different lineup there um jeff will fuller no injury designation going into the matchup against pittsburgh it is not a good matchup pittsburgh's defense has been unbelievable but this is deshaun watson and it is will fuller and you know a lot of people been putting in twitter you know if will fuller is healthy which i guess he is um even though he saw no targets last week if will fuller is healthy Regardless of the matchup, just because we know what he can do, are you playing him? Mm, not really. I mean, he was healthy last week too, so um, we know kind of what Phil Fuller's injury history is. You know, I think he's maybe one of those few players who actually is injury prone, just for whatever reason. Like these soft tissue injuries just keep popping up. Um, I don't know if. You, you know, think about where you were drafting him was probably in the seventh or eighth round. So you should have wide receiver depth ahead of him that is safer um, and, you know, higher, much higher floor and, you know, close enough of a ceiling that, um, you know, I would fire up anyone you drafted ahead of Will Fuller. I mean, of course, if they're active. Yeah, I, I think I think Fuller at least deserves flex consideration, though, because... Yeah. Yeah, the whole the whole best. thing is that, yeah, the whole thing is that if he's actually healthy, we, we expect him to get a lot of lucrative looks. And week one, if that week one's any indication of his role this year, um, he's going to be fine regardless of matchup. So to me, I would say um, it depends on your situation, but I think he's a fine flex play. And I just, you know, it's just all about risk appetite and how much of that that variance, how much of that volatility are you willing to tolerate on a weekly basis if you drafted him i would say you probably are willing to tolerate it it just depends on what other options you might have um a, a quick forward thinking note jeff another wide receiver who has had dealt with some injuries debo samuel he's expected to practice next week so this is kind of like a waiver wire note here if debo samuel is out on your waiver wire he's expected to practice next week i'm guessing he's going to be questionable for week four against philadelphia depending on how his foot holds up uh, through that week of practice, uh, Jeff, do you have some, um, you know, some cautious optimism here for Debo Samuel in week four? Um, I guess maybe a little bit. Uh, maybe if, if Garoppolo is back. Yeah, I think. And like, I mean, the, this is just an injury that has a history of flaring up and the fact that it and ruining season. So the fact that it already flared up once after they, he felt like he was good. Um, really just gives me pause of really putting too much like hope into him as being, um, you know, part of my team's plan. He's just more of like a, like you said, bench stash. And if he ends up being healthy the rest of the year, cool. I just, you know, hopefully walked into a wide receiver too. 
if not, like, okay, cut them and find another player. I am, I'm cautiously optimistic. I've been stashing him. Um, and I think that if you Always have optimistic space, about your cocks, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I, I think it's, I think he's worth a look because if he is healthy, he's a great player and he's going to get a ton of volume because there is just like no one else in San Francisco right now. Um, okay. Last note here in this kind of segment, um, Jalen Rigor is expected to miss somewhere around six to eight weeks with a torn UCL in his thumb. Uh, it's the same injury that Drew Brees had, you may remember, last year. And I think he missed five games and maybe a sixth week because it was his bye, if I remember correctly. Um, I'm not sure I buy that long of a timeline if we're projecting it, you know, being a conservative with eight weeks. Um, I'm not sure if I buy that long of a timeline. I would think, as a complete non-medical expert, um, or is, you know, not being a medical expert, I should just clarify, um, that this injury would be easier to come back from for a wide receiver skill position player than a quarterback who needs his hand to throw. That would be my guess. Obviously I haven't examined him. I don't know exactly the situation, but I still, you know, I've really, it kills me, Jeff. And I could just be letting this cloud my judgment, but I want to believe that Jalen Regor is going to be back before week 10. Um, you know, with all of this said in 12 team season long leagues that don't have super deep benches, you know, if you're looking at like five or seven bench spots, are you dropping Jalen Ragor? I mean, probably if there's, again, it's kind of like, what are you replacing him with? But most likely, um, you know, if it's, I, I think I've read at best, it could be that he misses four weeks at best, but six weeks is the likely return. So you're still talking about like mid November. So you get him for a couple weeks before the fantasy playoffs. And I mean, you're not going to start him. So, um, you know, you're going to have to wait for him to actually go out there and show that he's healthy and, uh, you know, able to put up fantasy points. Cause it's not like he was also, I mean, he was playing well for his first two games as a rookie. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like he was, you were still going to rush out and necessarily fire him up in week three. So, you know, absolute best case scenarios, like you're probably putting him into your starting lineup, like week 13, uh, or week 14, if you make the playoffs. So like, he's not going to help you make the playoffs. So you need um, you need players who are going to help you do that right now. If you don't That's have fair. an IR spot to bench or to stash them on. That's fair. Um, all right, moving on to some fantasy football storylines here. And the first one is that Odell Beckham Jr., obviously the Browns star wide receiver, says he probably won't put up big numbers this year, citing the Browns' lethal rushing attack. And, you know, you want to win, and that's what's been allowing them to and be trash competitive. quarterback. He didn't say that, but, uh, you know, might be buried in there. It was in um, the subtext. Are, are you buying this, Jeff? Are you buying that OBJ is not going to have a big, big numbers here? Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, look at um, Minnesota last year. I mean, and like, you can look at Stefan Diggs. And like, the volume last year versus this year is uh, night and day so far in Buffalo. And you kind of see, you're seeing basically the same offense right now in Cleveland so I don't really know why I still think he's wide receiver too but I just don't see the you know between the volume and the efficiency of Baker Mayfield I do not see him putting up wide receiver one fantasy numbers this season um, but you know but like the good thing is you didn't draft him to do that you drafted him as a wide receiver too most likely so you know I, I still think he's going to like kind of return on draft value I just don't think that 
the ceiling you might have been hoping for when you drafted him kind of around that 3-4 turn is going to hit. But I, I still think he's going to more or less end in line in draft value, which is fine. I think that he – I'm not necessarily – going to say this in the sense that I expect him to dramatically outproduce what he's doing right now. But I think that Odell is a really interesting buy low right now. Um, and that's because I think there's just this general sense that the Browns are going to stick with this two headed rushing attack and have no interest in doing anything else. You know, we've seen Austin Hooper basically be phased out as a pass game weapon. Um, Baker Mayfield has had an up and down start this season. It just feels like an opportunity uh, to get a really good player whose whose opportunity, by the way, is very good. I mean, he's 18th in rock. He's 13th in air yards and he's eighth in air yard share in the league. This is not a player that is worthless. And it's not, you know, that no one's arguing that. But I think some people are saying, oh, well, Odell's, you know, another lost season. Here we come. And I'm saying his opportunity is right in line with, you know, uh, high end wide receiver two numbers. And that's with the basically the worst case scenario with how the Browns have approached their game. So uh, to me, I think there's room for growth for Odell. I think his role is still very healthy. And I think Baker Mayfield can really only go up from here. Um, He's basically just steady regressed since his rookie year where he was an excellent downfield passer. I think Odell could have had a much bigger week too. I'm not buying that Odell does not have a good year, Um, but I could be wrong. Um, Another guy, that has great opportunity that hasn't done much so far is AJ green. He implied this week, Jeff, that he hasn't been in game shape to start the year, but that he's almost back to game shape is what he said. Um, you know, we know that AJ green's volume is stupid. He's fifth and rock. Uh, he's the number one by low from the rock score this week, fifth and rock, maybe going to be approaching AJ green talent wise that we've seen in the past. Are you buying this volume turns into wide receiver two production? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, that's basically the almost why we have all these metrics is to help us sift through some of the noise and say, look, it is there. It's going to come. Like like I said, after uh, week two, week so week one, Julian Edelman was just screaming by low. All the peripheral numbers were there, and I was like, yeah, but he's thirty four years old. They only threw the ball twenty times. Nah, I don't want him. And then. They're forced to throw the ball 30-something times, and he has a phenomenal game. And it's like, I didn't trust my own number. <laughs> yep. So, um, yeah, like I'm kind of trusting the metrics there. And this is a player that we've seen be a year-in, year year-out wide receiver one. I'm not saying that he's going to return to that like wide receiver one um, this year, but you know, he's still an extremely talented player who – hasn't played an NFL snap since early 2018. So yeah, I kind of do buy. It's just, he needs to knock off a little bit of the rust. You've seen them almost connect uh, him and Joe Burrow almost connect a handful of times. And I just think in Burrow, I mean, this is a rookie quarterback who's also just in his second NFL start. I mean, I, I think things are going to start to click sooner or later. I mean, everything is there for him to, you know, start hitting his groove and hit that wide receiver too, that you were hoping for when you, we're pulling the trigger on him in that seventh, eighth round. I agree with you. Um, you know, I'm pulling from my contested catch up this week, but the bad about AJ Green is that he only has 80 yards on 24 targets. That's good for bad for a 3.3 yards per target, which is awful efficiency. It's very concerning. But the good is that he's first in air yards in the league and second in targets. 
I said in the contested catch-up, don't give up yet. Big leagues are inbound. I agree with you, Jeff. AJ Green is uh, someone who you might be able to get a pretty good price on at this point, depending on what the owner or the manager that has him uh, thinks about him. So, Jeff, I want to turn our, our last storyline to talk about um, in this segment. Um, I want to get your thoughts on this Monday night matchup between the two young stars of the league. Obviously, I'm talking about Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. You know, a ton of skill position players are fantasy relevant between these two, uh, two of the top three or, or four or five, depending on where you're ranking them. Uh, tight ends, obviously amazing quarterbacks. CEH, J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram, Tyreek Hill, Marquise Gus Brown. The like, Gus the boss, if you will. I mean, there's just so many fantasy relevant players. But at the same time, this this is a good Baltimore defense. We saw the, the Chiefs struggle a little bit until the fourth quarter and overtime last week. Is this going to be the fireworks show that we would pr- probably expect coming into the season? I hope so. Um, I mean, I think the Ravens look like the best team, like, complete team in football. Um, think PFF. One of the, I think one of the guys in PFF described them as this way: the Ravens are the best team at winning the games that they're leading. Like they just, as in, they don't low games once they get up on you you're probably done the chiefs are the best team at winning the games they have no business winning we saw it in the playoffs last year we saw it against the chargers last week so i just think it's a a great matchup um i don't i hope it lives up to the hype i think the ravens are like three and a half point favorites which is i mean patrick mahomes is like never going to be that much of an underdog the rest of the year so um, I mean, it's, it's going to be a pretty fun game. I mean, we were talking about going to this game before uh pandemic struck. Indeed we were. Indeed we were. I, uh, I've got, a, I've got another note to make on this later in the best bet segment, but for now I will say I'm firing up all of my, uh, chiefs and, and Ravens weapons. I'm buying that this is going to be a high scoring affair. And I think that these two court, yeah, the defense has star power on either side, but, um, I will say I am I am buying it for fantasy purposes this week. Um, all right, so it's time to move on to our DFS preview, Jeff. And I want to start with the top lineup that you're seeing our generator come up with for this week. Well, the process has changed a little bit there, Will. It has I indeed. Spent this week, I spent this week completely revamping our lineup tool. So, you know, the old one, basically, I was just running, running the computer, printing out like about a thousand lineups. And then letting you kind of filter through and see, see what the uh, like highest rejections were. And you could put a couple players in requirement. I've completely revamped that. So now I have a full out optimizer. You first, the only thing you have to do is like pick a quarterback to build your roster around. Then you can pick how many teammates you want to stack them with. Uh, you know, are you going to run it back? Do you want any teams in a secondary stack? the overlap, how many lineups you want. Like I'm in, I'm pretty proud of this. So let's just say, I think my favorite stack of the, well, okay. I have two favorite stacks. The one that's a little off chalk is the uh, Arizona versus Detroit stack. So I want Kyler Murray there to be my quarterback. He's been blowing up, but his, his price point on DraftKings is still kind of low. It's Dak, Russ, Allen are all priced above him. So I'm putting in Kyler Murray right there as my quarterback. I'm stacking him with one Cardinal teammate, and I'm checking my box that I want to allow Kenyon Drake to be stacked with him, and then I'm running it back with a Detroit Lion. 
Now, in my secondary stack box, I have four game options. Dallas-Seattle, which is the, probably the best stack of the week, which is going to be chalky, and you can still play it because, I mean, I think there's going to be so many points to go around that you need exposure to it, and you can find ways around the chalk. For example, you know, if you, if you stack that game, you can't play Miles. You shouldn't play Miles Sanders. And you should maybe say, instead of playing Mike Davis, pivot to Josh Kelly as an example. And then Minnesota, Tennessee, that we mentioned. Carolina and the Chargers, and then Atlanta and Chicago, because I think uh, you know you could see like a good game between stacking Allen Robinson and then either Ridley or Gage. So that's how I have it set it up, and I hit run. Now the top projected lineup with that configuration, I get Kyler Murray as the quarterback, Miles Sanders, Kenyon Drake, Mike Davis in the flex, and then at receiver Amari Cooper, Tyler Lockett, Kenny Galladay. My man, Mo Cox, Mo Problems, a.k.a. Mo Ali Cox, in the, at tight end, and we're starting the Giants defense against a depleted um, San Francisco offense. So, you know, I mean, I think that's a pretty good lineup. Don't you, Will? I do. I really do. I, um, I like that a lot, and I was actually going to say, for the secondary stack, I love going after that Seattle-Dallas game. And one of the things that I like the most about it is that Seattle has just been absolutely torched. I think I saw that they've already given up over two, uh, 700 yards to receivers this year. And this is the other thing. I mentioned this on Tuesday's episode, I believe, but Dak scored three rushing touchdowns on the ground last week. Um, I expect like most, if not all of those, to go back to his uh, air production. And I think we're looking at CeeDee Lamb continuing to be someone you want to play Amari Cooper is due for one of his patented big weeks where he gets like 100 yards and two touchdowns. I think this is a great week to fire to to run it back with those Dallas stacks. So I really like that, Jeff, um, getting Amari in there. And I think that the, the game that you chose to stack is really good, too. I will add one more sneaky stack that I like, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, Washington and Cleveland. If you go back to the contested catch-up, one of the tweets that I included in there in our top tweet section was that Hayden was uh, Hayden Winks on on Twitter from Roto World was identifying um, some defenses that appeared to be pass funnels as well as some run funnel defenses, but it was Washington and Cleveland were two of the four pass funnel defenses, and so I like Baker in this matchup. I like Kareem Hunt potentially in this matchup. I like Odell Beckham Jr. in this matchup. I like Terry McLaurin in this matchup, and even Logan Thomas. So I think there's a lot of stack material there, um, and I think you could get a really cheap Washington. Uh, you know, a couple of Washington shares. Terry's obviously just, you know, basically matchup proof at this point. He's such a good, such yeah, a good player. But Ward is out um, on the opposite side. Denzel of the Ward's out as, as is Greedy Williams. So it's like, I think that this is a pretty sneaky game that could have a lot of good pieces in it. You know, maybe you do uh, Baker, Odell, Terry, maybe do Baker, Hunt, Terry, Logan. I don't know. Uh, what are your thoughts on that game, Jeff? <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be a low ownership game, so I think it's a good spot to find some differentiation. Um, I mean, kind of my favorite play there is to fire up your man Antonio Gibson. Let's do it. I mean, right? The, the owner, like the ownership's not going to be there. So, you know, as I was mentioning earlier, if you want to get chalky with your Dallas Seattle stack, you have to find differentiation elsewhere. So, Antonio Gibson is one of the ways to do that. Um, I think Jarek McKinnon. I don't think he's going to be as chalky as I might have anticipated. Um, but even then, if you go from McKinnon to Jeff Wilson, and then I, I love Josh Kelly this week as a super low ownership play. 
the Carolina defense, I think, has given up three rushing touchdowns in each of the first two games. I know they gave up three to Jacobs, and then, yeah, they gave up one to Ronald Jones and two to Fournette last week. So, um, yeah, I like Eckler and Kelly. I think, given the fact that Kelly is taking all the goal line work, I could see him having a two-touchdown game. So, those are some of the softer plays I really like in terms of getting that like low ownership differentiation spot. Yeah. And that's obviously how you can maximize your chances of winning a, a bigger tournament. Uh, you know, your, your strategy changes a little bit when you go to cash and you're just, you know, trying to get above that threshold. Um, Jeff, are there, are there any other favorite plays of yours this week that guys you want to make sure you get in line with, whether that be a part of a, a secondary stack or something, or just an isolated naked player as, as we sometimes call them. Oh, Kenyon Drake, either way. Um, I, I don't mind stacking him with Kyler. He's had some good games, but that just hasn't quite found the, the touchdowns yet. And I mean, Detroit's defense is bad. So I think Kenyon Drake goes off. I don't have – whether it's playing him with Kyler or having a different stack and putting him in as a running back, um, like IE instead of Miles Sanders, because I, mean, I think Sanders is a great play this week, but he's just going to be so chalky that I don't want to play too much of him. So then I think Kenyon Drake is in a very similar situation, similar price point. Uh, we've seen the ceiling, and you just, uh, but you get the uh, pivot there. Okay. I'll add one more that's actually also on the Cardinals. This, this could be a part of that stack that you're talking about if you want to expand a little bit. With Christian Kirk out, uh, Christian Kirk is out this week uh, with a groin injury. What are your thoughts on firing Andy Isabella up as a really, really different flex play? Uh, I absolutely or, or love it. Wide receiver three. Yeah, good. Low, seen, low ownership star. Yeah, we've seen some of the uh, the flash plays and his limited opportunities. And you know, if you it's going to be if it's not going to be Nuke, then I mean. Izzy, it could be Izzy season. You know, my, my dynasty team that in our league we're in is in such rough shape right now that I might just be firing him up as a flex play anyways. Do it. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's either that or I activate Josh Kelly out of my taxi squad. Oh, you got him in the taxi squad? Yeah. Yeah, yeah dude. Get him out of there. He doesn't belong there. He needs the respect he deserves. Or he, he deserves the respect. Oh, I know. Um, dude, this team has just, I mean, besides the fact I was sort of, trying to tank anyways then i have mccaffrey get hit with the injury have aj brown uh then i trade for jay and Rager and he's out for six weeks but yeah i mean like i could i should be firing up kelly because i'm like hey i'm already like slotted for the 101 might as well just keep it going like i'm yeah, not gonna don't, make don't the playoffs <laughs> <laughs> good stuff okay so besides uh jeff finishing last in our dynasty league what are the best bets of this week well i'll start off with uh, an interesting little parlay. I, I get myself in trouble this way, but I like to pick a winner or, a, or you know a, a side of the spread with an over under pick. And I I like uh, the Falcons minus three and a half parlayed with the over uh, forty seven versus the Bears. Jeff, am I crazy and wanting to go back to the well against the Bears here? I like the over. I think the Falcons should win, but I mean after last week, the, I don't know. They just seem to be like a gambler's heartbreak. So. I mean, I, I don't know if I can quite ever give them my stamp of approval, but... Um, it's plus I mean, 291 to parlay it that way. Yeah, I mean, in theory, I like the bet. But okay. again, no Julio. I mean, that soft defense, Bears, like Trubisky hasn't been awful. Um, I'm trying to find the teaser. Oh, here's my teaser. 
Uh, so I don't know, I've been I've been doing teasers quite a bit lately. Uh, I mean, they're uh, some people frown upon them because you're kind of giving up points. But um, again, I started it last night, so I had the dolphins. So I had the dolphins and the over put in the teaser. So I already hit both of those. I mean, the uh, over got teased down to 43, so that was close. I have the Rams. Um, and going against the Bills, but it's plus eight at that point. So, mm-hmm. um, Tennessee, I think Tennessee is probably my lock of the week. Honestly, I, the Vikings You're are stealing all... my thunder, Jeff. They're my next oh, pick here. Well, sorry, <laughs> Tennessee <laughs> is just. Uh, I mean, Minnesota is like maybe a bottom five team in the league, and like all that regression we were talking about for Tannehill possibly coming in, it's not. It's not coming, even with no AJ Brown. So. Yep. Uh, I, I tossed Tennessee in there. They're down to plus three and a half. And I put over to 41 Cowboys with the over in that game. And I have the Chiefs teased down to plus nine and a half. So uh, it's a long teaser, but. I like it, dude. I, I mean, my next one is Titans minus three versus the Vikings. I think that is a great bet this week. Tannehill looked so good uh, last week against the Dolphins. And the Vikings are, you know, banged up in the secondary. I, I don't think they have a lot of teeth right now. Um, minus three for this team. I th- I really think that the Titans are going to run away with it. So the Vikings could be picking in like easily picking in the top 10 this year, if not top like six. Yeah. Oh, I, I definitely think you're right. I mean, they're bad. They're, they're getting injured in the wrong spots and they're investing money in the, in the wrong spots as well. Yeah. So, so, all right. So if you're the Tennessee GM and you're picking one Oh five next year, to Jamar Chase, or are you looking for a quarterback replacement for Kirk? Cousins? Minnesota GM. Yeah, what I say, Tennessee. Yeah, so the yeah, Vikings you're GM. The, yep. I'm. I'm probably. I mean, I know you invested a lot in Kirk Cousins, but I think that it's probably time to try to get a face of a franchise in there. And it's not to say that Kirk Cousins isn't a good player, but I mean, this is a good quarterback class. If you have a chance to get a Justin Fields, maybe you know there are a couple other guys that are really, really good, obviously, and. If they're in contention for it, I would be surprised if they didn't consider it. Uh, there's a lot of holes to fill in this team, but they did go after. They had a really good draft, uh, and so there's a, there's a chance that this team could be ready to contend if they had things click the right way. So that's at least how I lean. But um, you know, we'll see. Um, another another game I really like this week is the Bucks minus six against Denver. Jeff, I mean, what are, what are we doing here, Denver? you know we only need the bucks to win by a touchdown i don't feel bad about this at all i love this bet (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's i mean i feel like it's almost a trap pick i mean maybe like basically like maybe the drop off from lock to driscoll isn't that big like it's not like we knew drew lock was good he had a lot of hype but we didn't really know he was good he was still kind of a raw second year quarterback. So like, you know, I think it's possible kind of I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe Vegas is way off here, but I mean, or maybe we're just overrating the drop off from Locke to Driscoll. I mean, we'll find out. Um, I mean, Brady doesn't look that good himself. He doesn't, but they also scored three touchdowns on the ground. Um, but it was also th- Carolina. It was also Carolina. I mean, but they won by 14 against Carolina. They they lost to the Saints, but the Saints looked like the Saints that we expected in week one. Um, either way, I think that the that the Bengals or excuse me, the Broncos are tamed, I guess you could say. And 
six point favorites. I know, you know, we, you know, Vegas doesn't go that aggressive on things, but it, it feels like the right move to go with the box minus six there. I mean, those, the one time when they feel like the right move is when you, is when they get you. Yeah. Um, okay. So Monday night, Jeff, uh, the chiefs plus three and a half. I'm, I'm making this a very simple decision for myself. And that's, I want to put something on this game because it'll be fun. And I'm not, I think this is a pick them and I'm not going to bet. <laughs> I'm not going to take the, the, the Ravens minus three and a half. I'm just not going to do it. So I like, I like chiefs at plus three and a half there. Jeff, what are your thoughts on the over? I, I take it that you're a little skeptical on the over at 55 there. You know, maybe we'd expect it to be a blow up match if it was going into week one, but you know, we've seen some, I guess some more tamed offenses in the past uh, or in the past two weeks than we are used to with these two over 50, 50 over 55. What are your thoughts? I like it. Um, I, I, I see the chiefs defense struggling against uh, the Ravens. And then, I mean, when Mahomes is on, it doesn't matter who he's going against. Like, I mean, he racked up like 20 points against the 49ers had one of the best defense in the league last year in a quarter. So, I mean, even, like, yeah, I think the Chiefs struggled to contain Baltimore. Mahomes is going to be on, and when he's, you know, even if he's only on for half the game, he's uncontainable. So, yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's a lot, but uh, maybe you should just just tease the over with the Chiefs, and then tease that with Dallas, and that game's over. I like it. So you got like you have nine plus nine and a half for the Chiefs, plus eleven for Dallas. And then you have like soft over-unders for both games. You can just sit back and enjoy. There you go. Um, okay, Jeff, it's time for our Bills prediction. And we know they're playing the Rams this week. We know they're as hot as any team in the league at 2-0. and um, Josh Allen has just looked phenomenal. I'll say this. I'm not going to pick the Bills to lose this week. And that's not out of principle or anything. It's just I, I think that they're probably going to win. But they're a little banged up. They kind of got away with some stuff against Miami, even though Josh looked great. You know, the game, it, it, you know, based on how talented the Bills are versus how talented or lack thereof for the Dolphins, I think that Bills should have won by more. I'm going to go the Bills by a hair, and I think this is going to be a little bit higher scoring than people are expecting. I'm going Bills 27, Rams 24. Uh, am, am I off here to think that this is going to be a little bit higher scoring? And are you picking against our Bills this week? Uh, I do not think you're off in it being a higher scoring game. Um, you know, Milano, it sounds like he is going to play Edmonds. I unfortunately don't think he's going to. And I think that, um, you know, I mean, that's just a hole in the defense that McVay is going to know how to exploit. Um, I mean, Higby went for three touchdowns last week and then Gasecki started the Bills. I could see them having a handful of plays in for Higby to just pick that apart. And then I think cornerback two, McVay is just going to attack, attack, attack. Um, so, yeah, I think the injuries um, on the defensive side for the Bills will allow the Rams to get there. It's just like, I mean, we saw what the Dolphins did last week. I mean, they're not on the, I mean, they're not on the same tier as the Rams. And then I think the Bills' offense is looking hot and Allen's going to step up. So, um, I don't know, maybe I'll, I'll just keep things from Nolan. I'll, I'll agree with your point prediction there. Every time I picked against the Bills last year on this podcast, I looked foolish. So, you know what? Just to be safe, just uh, to keep it going, Rams 31, Bills 27, just to guarantee that we win the game. Okay, so 
Is that your official one, I'm prediction? Take, I'm taking one <laughs> You're for taking the one team. for the team? Okay. It's like the guy that you have to make go back to the bathroom because the team scored when when uh, when he was in there. That's funny. Okay. Just, uh, it's the famed Brett Singer anti-curse. The anti-curse. I love it. Okay. Uh, also, I'll make one last note here. If you're going to do anything DFS related to the to this game, uh, stack-wise, it is a Robert Woods revenge game. Those are sometimes fun to play with. Um, okay. So, yeah, but Woods, Woods likes Buffalo. He does. And I, I <laughs> yeah, mean, he's a nice guy. Like, this is not oh, yeah, like dude. a. I wish we could have hung on to him. I know. He would be, he would be, oh, I mean, yeah. we're doing pretty well with our receiving core now. Oh, yeah. Um, think about like how much better things could have been if Doug Whaley didn't just let him go. Yeah. Just a, a whole era of bad decisions. Would have accelerated that rebuild so much. Very true. Oh, well. Oh, well. I like where we're at now. I agree. I think we're in a good spot. And and that'll do it for episode 44, folks. We hope you guys have enjoyed this week of of all the content we put out. Obviously, you know, we have our Tuesday episodes and our Friday episodes. Now we've got our Thursday morning newsletter. Again, the contested catch-up. Sign up on the website. We've got the website as well where we host all our tools. Our, our whole portfolio of content on a weekly basis in season has expanded this season. We've gotten a lot of really good feedback about that. If you guys have anything that you want to share with us, um, any ideas for us or just, you know, you love this, you hate this, let us know. You know, we're always accessible at Buff Bill Stats on Twitter for Jeff, at Contested Catch for me. We also have a contact form on the website as well if you want to, I guess, be a little bit more formal and don't want to just slide in the DMs. But um, either way, let us know your thoughts. If you have specific questions, we've been answering them on Twitter as well, at Contested Catch. Uh, I will try to continue to put out a thread where people can just comment in there and reply. And we're going to try to get some more fan questions answered on the contested catch up each week as well. With that said, Jeff, any final thoughts for you, my man? Circle the wagons. Circle the wagons, baby. Let's go Buffalo. I'm I'm just, I'm just really looking forward to this game. I mean, I'd want the bills to win, obviously, but if we lose a close one and play hard, like it'll show me that we're for real. So I just don't want to get blown out. (laughs) I agree. I agree. I think a big thing is this is going to be a good game. Um, let's see if Josh Allen can, can, uh, try to avoid playing hero ball. If he does it three weeks in a row, I have a ton of optimism. Yes. And silence the remaining haters. Uh, agreed. He's um, going to use the analytics to destroy the analytics. <laughs> Jeff's been on fire on tweets this week. So make sure you check that out as well. Okay. That'll do it. We hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. We hope you'd enjoyed the entire week of coverage. Good luck this weekend. We'll hope to catch you next time. Thank you.